0: Community is everything and everything in the community has changed. Hello and welcome to Our Community with me, Anne Morgan. For this series of podcasts, I've reached out to key people in various communities to find out how they are staying connected, what's working and what's a challenge, how are they coping and what are they doing that might work in your community. And welcome to our community. I'm your host, Anne Morgan, and my guest today is Arno Freyd. And Arno is a key figure in the brand building and buyer behavior community. He is the chief commercial officer for Ipsos, and his his fierce intelligence and passionate curiosity have earned him the reputation of trusted advisor across many different industries with senior senior professionals in it, it, both on the industry side and in government departments. So, Arno, a very warm welcome, and thank you uh, for joining me today. Um, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I I think it's going to be very insightful. Now, Arno, you make it your business to to really analyse deep changes in, in retail, especially what do you think is going to change um, as a result of, um, of, of this global pandemic and what's happening in the world at the moment?
1: So I, I think, you know, we have to see uh, this crisis um, as an accelerant. Uh, that's, that's how I, um, I tend to think about it. Um, the, the effect it has on uh, most things is, uh, is really to speed things up. Uh, where you had um, a brand in trouble um it's very likely that uh things will get more difficult where you had um uh, major shifts linked to uh, for example the digitalization of a particular industry or sector then that has accelerated so so if we see it as an accelerant um then I, then i think we start to understand that what what really uh, is happening uh, at the moment is everything is just going to go a little bit faster um, across a broad range of, um, of areas, whether it's it's a brand uh, specifically, whether it's how nations are perceived uh, or any other consideration. It's really about um, how it um, hastens, it speeds up uh, pretty much every underlying trend.
0: Yeah, so, uh, and interestingly, um, before, you know, before we had this pandemic, The the beleaguered high street was was already struggling. And this, as you say, acts as as, something like this major world event has acted as an accelerant. What do you think is going to happen on the high street now? It was already, you know, already in trouble. Is that going to be accelerated or is there an opportunity? So, yes
1: and no. I mean, I think uh, brick and mortar retail uh, was doing very well in some parts. Um, and I think what uh, what we definitely saw uh, before uh, COVID-19, uh, where some retailers doing exceedingly well, um, uh, you know, building uh, their focus on service delivery, on engaging uh, shoppers uh, very effectively, and succeeding uh, in 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 terrific manners. Uh, we also saw uh, some retailers really struggling, um, and 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 so the outcome for these retailers isn't necessarily going to be any different. It's just going to come quicker. Uh, and I think you know th- this is really what we can see. What we can see is that uh, there are some parts of retail that have been declining, uh, but in, in ways that have not necessarily been that noticeable over uh, a short period of time. But if you start to look over a much longer period of time, you can realize there is very substantial decline. Department stores, by and large, have been declining, but not all of them. Some of them are doing exceedingly well, uh, but those that have been declining have declined, um, you know, over a period of time, a few percentage at a time every year, you know, eroding uh, their brand presence, eroding uh, their relevance in the market, bit by bit. Uh, but um, uh, certainly, what is happening now is that all of these things just get really, you know, sped up, really increased uh, substantially. Into the uh, into the broader market:
0: Yeah, so what do you think um, are the main differentiators though, between especially if you take something like a department store, which is a you know great big entity, what makes the difference between somebody who's succeeding and then and somebody who's failing?:
1: So I think we have to say this in the context of uh, where we're going to end up, uh, not what it was before. So I think, you know, if if I look at the next 6 to 12 or 18 months, uh, there's going to be, in my opinion, several key drivers of success. One is going to be uh, to completely alleviate concerns for consumers. So rethinking, um, you know, moving away from um, uh, just pure luxury, for example, as an experience, but sanitation as the new luxury. So how do I make sure that I'm creating a really safe, and um, a shopping environment, which is really at the back of my of the mind of my consumers, so they can focus on the experience and on engaging within the store. That's number one. I think, two, the role of technology is going to really shift uh, things quite um, substantially. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities there to help uh, basically reduce the amount of friction that have typically been uh, plaguing uh, most retailers, not just in terms of payment, but in terms of stock availability, um, in terms of the number of things they have to showcase versus what people really want to buy. So better use of data to really curate products in a smarter way, better use of technology uh, to make trying on uh, uh, products, for example, clothes easier uh, and, and not necessarily always uh, requiring the physical item to be tried on. Such, you know, such are these things as well as aspects around payment. Um, and, and I think the third thing is going to be service. And that's going to be absolutely critical. Uh, for, I think, too long, um, many uh, retailers have just forgotten about service. Uh, they have, uh, struggled to recruit and retain, uh, the right people. Uh, and instead they have, uh, decided to kind of make do, uh, instead of really putting value and recognition in the incredible work that uh, um, shop uh, front people do, uh, which is tough, which is uh, absolutely a necessity. And I think we can see uh, today that in many cases, uh, a lot of the important jobs that have been critical to us in this period have been from uh, so called essential workers, uh, which have been long forgotten the delivery drivers, uh, the cashiers. You know, and these are a lot of the critical people that are in need of being a lot more involved in the success and um, brand ownership and employee engagement aspects of uh, of the retail operation.
0: Yeah, I, 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 you know, I absolutely, I think that's a. a A brilliant insight because, you know, for me, one of the most surprising things coming out of, um, it's not, not surprising, but gratifying things is at last... The, the people who are you know putting the stock out trying to make things happen uh, you know are getting some recognition as, as to how critical their job is and how much difference they make to, to our lives and you're right for far too long that's been ignored and it's not been invested in I think a lot of what the brands have invested in and a lot of what the retails, retailers have invested in is is very much uh, you know away from the people who are actually Actually, key to its success, and you know, if that can be an accelerant, uh, you know, if that change can be an accelerant going forward, that would make make a huge difference. And you know, I think one of the things that um, you study as well, Arno, is the whole architecture of a brand, how it's made up, the story behind it. And do you think that you know that that people are going to go, you know, brand leaders are going to go back. And, and reformulate the stories around their brands because of this?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's a essential. I mean, um, the, the, the big challenge we have here is I think we have multiple things piling up in terms of uh, demands from consumer, uh, not for just authenticity. I think authenticity has been one of those tropes that we've heard a lot of. Uh, you know, every brand now wants to be authentic. But actually, I think the real need is for brands to be human, um, and and I think that means that they might be flawed, uh, but they are uh, focused on uh, a, a common good and and values which are both values of a community and values of individuals that comprise those brands. So I think what we're going to see uh, is it's not just um, uh, coronavirus; it's also the entire issue around. Uh, diversity, um, gender, and otherwise, it's also the entire issue around racism. Uh, Today, a lot of brands are claiming uh, to to feel these issues, uh, but they're not really changing. And so I think that is going to definitely have a major impact because consumers and shoppers are going to start taking action in their own ways, in their own communities, uh, to recognize that uh, it 's not just about making a, a big donation to a charity or putting a poster or pen- uh, painting a fence or whatever it 's really about uh, recognizing uh, the role and the value they play in communities and and brands are finding this the hard way i mean there's a, a tech brand in New York uh, that reach out to uh, to artists asking to to paint a uh, you know uh, the the boardings in front of their store and they have been called out on uh, on social media for it because they're really trying to claim uh, that uh, that moment of crisis as their own it's not a brand decoration anymore and so i think that's really going to shift things quite substantially the brands that don't understand that that are not transforming fast enough that are still stuck with you know very traditional boards um, all the same people all looking the same, um, and it's not just about diversity because you brought in um, a, a person of color or you brought in a woman. That's not real diversity. Diversity has to infuse the organization, and change has to infuse the organization, and um, and that I think is going to be a huge challenge because uh, some brands will not recover from from their lack of uh, of, uh, of humanity uh, more than their lack of authenticity.
0: Yeah, I, I mean that that is. Um you know there's no we're getting some really good questions as well coming in from from the listeners and um you know one of them was you know Gretchen was asking do you um anticipate significant changes in the way that the retail industry does business as a result of the uh, of the the racial dialogue in the US and worldwide and obviously you you've you've answered that um but do you think that um do you think that brands can recover if they've you know, realized where they, you know, where they are and that they have to make change. Is there time for them to recover, do you think, or is it too late?
1: I, I think there's plenty of time. Uh, there's plenty of time, but but uh, the amount of time that is allocated for that to happen, uh, there isn't much of it. So, I think, I think there's plenty of time to wake up and uh, and, and come to the table, uh, but it has to happen within a fairly reasonable um uh, period of um of time you know it if it takes 6 months for a brand to kind of think about what it means then it's probably um that they've had to start from scratch and that's that's probably something that consumers and the market at large will recognize um there are brands that don't need to think about any of these things uh because they've been um, already very actively uh, rethinking their position within their communities uh, engaging differently and i think you know when we were talking about retail but retail is going to change dramatically uh, because of uh, of many of these aspects but um uh, in, in no less a, a requirement than any other sector um and and i think uh, you know retail is not going to be more of a collateral uh, to this uh, this situation these are long overdue changes. Uh, these are situations that are unacceptable in, in, in very core essential ways. This is simply not acceptable.
0: And are you confident, um, Arno, that it's going to go beyond words this time?
1: I, I, I think, you know, we, we always want to say that there is no choice, but uh, I, I genuinely believe that there is no choice. I mean, I, I, think, um, I think that Uh, You have uh, new generations of consumers that are building a uh, a much stronger uh, civic uh, and community backbone. Uh, They are coming into the market uh, with, uh, I think, far less idealistic views, uh, very much uh, realistic and anchored uh, understanding of the limitations of the realities. But uh, they they also realize that they they don't have to tolerate uh, quite uh, the same level of mediocrity as has been done uh, previously. And I think uh, they feel quite comfortable with having less. Uh, and, and that's really the challenge with retail is uh, a, a lot of brands are, are not facing, you know, new competition alone. They're facing also the reality that uh, there is a, a fringe and, and you see that less maybe in this region, but you can certainly very clearly pinpoint that in Europe and North America where there is a growing concern around uh, consumption, around having more things. Uh, and there is also a desire to have more experiences, uh, but just also not just experiences, but just uh, more time for self, more time for the community. And uh, and and that also uh, means a lot in terms of uh, the role that brands may play there.
0: Yeah. And um, Valerie's asking, uh, could you share one or two brands which have taken this new direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather, you know, I, I don't necessarily uh, name names because I think that uh, some of them are, are clients, others not. So that's not necessarily helpful. But what I would say is I think there are brands that are uh, putting a lot of efforts in um, uh, really uh, rethinking uh, where they operate. I mean, it's probably a bit of, a, of an odd uh, choice, but I find uh, a brand like Louis Vuitton, for example, to be very interesting. Uh, not uh, just because it's a luxury brand, but because it's putting out itself outside of its comfort zone as much as it can um, with esports, uh, with uh, you know agreements in the sport uh, aspects. And I find that very interesting because I think it's about trying to engage. Uh, with a, with a, a much broader audience, whilst also having very clear values in in uh, in the way it's doing business, and it's not perfect, and so that's also the point, point. Uh, and, and that's my earlier point. It's not about authenticity for authenticity's sake. This is becoming very trite. It's really about the human aspect, which is the 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 failings as much as the successes. And brands are going, to, are going to have to wrestle, I think, a lot more with the fact that they're not perfect. They're not always right, but they can get it right. And that's a very different mindset.
0: Yeah, the, being more open. That's very, yeah, very interesting. Um, Gretchen was asking as well, um, how will COVID-19 affect globalization in, in the world economy, particularly relating to foreign investment and global supply chains?
1: Broad question. Um, so I, th- I think there are just maybe a, a, a couple of simpler uh, points. I think first, uh, you know, I'm not sure that uh, for COVID-19 it transforms everything at the same time. Uh, you know, I think right now, for example, if you're a retailer, you also have to cater to consumers that do not feel at all in danger, do not feel at all uh, at risk, and I think there is a really big issue there because uh, many retailers, you know, and you already see it with airlines. Uh, with their staff donning full PPE outfits, oh, that's a terrible mistake. Because of course, for every you know 50 or 55, 60 percent of the population that is concerned, you've got about 25 to 30 percent easily that doesn't feel that way. And so I think uh, that's a really a, a challenge. So to come back to your point about globalization and supply chain, one very clearly supply chain are going to be massively disrupted. Uh, I think there's going to be a reorganization uh, towards certain nations, including in Southeast Asia, where there is definitely an opportunity uh, for those nations to um, take a part of that supply chain um, role, in effect. Um, And and there is definitely a trend towards uh, a lot more of a localized experience. I think that's unavoidable. Why? Because it was the case before COVID-19. Yeah. So this has just served as, again, as an accelerant. We're back to the very first point. But frankly, um, if you had asked me uh, what are the big uh, trends that we're seeing in retail um, six months ago, uh, and I wrote papers on that then, I would have said the same thing. So the the, the difference is is just a lot more of it. Uh, and I think the idea of uh, where it's possible, but it's a luxury uh, to support uh, local farmers, to support local producers, then this is definitely going to be a reality. But in some countries, it's very, very difficult because there isn't that local uh, production. And so I think we also have to, to, to make sure we're not too naive about it. This doesn't apply to everybody. It doesn't apply to every uh, social demographic class. So it becomes also a real challenge, which is we also have to make sure that we are uh, maintaining and developing and expanding um, international uh, connections and in international trade, um, so that there is also food that remains affordable, uh, that remains um, reachable uh, by the, the, the broadest possible uh, group of people.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and trying to make that reachability still eth- ethical, um, you know, and that obviously is a huge question in terms of different standards of, uh, you know, across the globe. And, and and like you said, making things accessible can be very hard. Um, but another question back to um, the high street and bricks and mortar Um you know, what can we do to cultivate um, retail establishments that add character and value to communities, to local communities? Because we've talked about this localization. And, um, you know, when those businesses are struggling to compete with, you know, with with, um, online retailers and people with less overheads.
1: So, so I think there are two views. There's the sympathetic view and then there's maybe the realistic view. Uh, The the sympathetic view is, um, of course, that, uh, these you know quaint local businesses. Um, well, they they deserve our our attention. Um, and, and how do we help them? Well, we patronize them. It's simple as that. Uh, you know we have to go. People have to go and buy them. Uh, and, uh, and and that that leads to the more realistic view, which is one of the main reasons why these businesses are struggling is not only uh, because of Amazon or other online retailers, is because they have gradually. Um, uh, you know, lost their relevancy. Uh, the stock they have may not be uh, to current needs. Uh, the uh, the the way that the service is delivered is has not kept up with expectations. And so I think the you know, whilst it might be tempting to 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 put the uh, the responsibility on big bad uh, Amazon and and other retailers, I, I'm less sympathetic to that. Um, I would tend to say that I think a lot of these retailers. I've simply forgotten their mission. Uh, to me, where we are going uh, in terms of the, um, the, the, the great retail is the outpost of the Far West. Um, you know, you have a, a store which is one carefully curated. So if you think about the outpost, right, the general store in the Far West, um, uh, somewhere on the plane, you know, in, uh, in uh, Idaho in, in America, What do you see there well first you see a place where all the items have been carefully curated the owner hasn't got the means to stock many 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 uh, hundreds or thousands of products and so everything has to be serving a purpose it's carefully curated second the owner knows the community he knows the community because In this case, it's for his survival, right? If he leaves, if he lets the wrong person enter, he might, he might die. That's not good. But more, more realistically, he knows the community because he's very anchored into everything, the ebb and flow of life in that community. And uh, third is loyalty and trust. He gives credit or he affords other terms, he knows the people there. And I think, you know, if you try to compress that into a retail experience, you've got pretty much the perfect retail experience. And that's where I believe the independent retailer has to come back to. Uh, a role in the community, curation of products, and ways to build, and in this case, using technology primarily, of course, ways to build loyalty and connect connection with um the uh the, the local uh shoppers. So that means, for example, an Instagram account where the retailer is going to post on a frequent basis on a, uh, several times a day, uh, new styles of whatever it is they're selling, new products, new new um new ways. Uh, it's going to be uh reaching out to consumers on a frequent basis with advice, tips and tricks, etc. It's going to play playing a genuine role in the community. Again, as a human within the community. And it's going to be about selecting products that are actually aligned to people's expectations in terms of size, in terms of color of skin, in terms of usage occasions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And and again, we can start to pick some examples of that. Uh, There are uh, quite a lot of uh, clothing shops uh, in major cities in New York and London that are doing exactly that. That's exactly what they do on a daily basis. You can go in, sit down, uh, grab a, grab a drink maybe. Uh, and the person there, the salesperson isn't pushing anything. They're just there to talk about how it's going. And from there, they might give you a couple of advice and maybe a suggestion for a new shirt or a new pair of shoes that they have there. Uh, or they might just reach out to you on, on WhatsApp or in a messaging app to say, Hey, by the way, you know, I know the other day you, you saw this and I've just got a different style, but you, I think you'll like it. Pop in when you can. And so all of these efforts that combine human, genuine human interest, the ability to understand your consumers through various means and technology to manage that engagement. That's what's going to make this new experience satisfactory. And all the others that have not been able to adapt. Well, that's the process of evolution. You know, that's how things get better.
0: Yes, I, I I I love all of that, um, and especially the the combination of what a sort of age old. Uh, you know going back to absolutely the stores in the in the in the you know when you see them in the movies in the wild west you know that encapsulated all of that especially you know around community and 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 cultivating the you know and curating the right things and doing the right things it's surprising how that was lost along the way and and how few retailers maintained that i mean in my childhood you know those retailers existed on the high street and and now i can 't find them very often and when I do find them i I absolutely frequent them i you know i I go back there and 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 um, and I have done for years and I must to say it, it always worried me that they would disappear, but listening to you talk now, Arno I think you know with the with the acceleration of what's happening now and that refocus in on the community on on human brands and 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 also on on actually fulfilling a service for people I think it could be a tremendous opportunity you know either for small brands or or bigger brands it doesn't matter and um yeah so that's that's certainly given given me a lot of um food for thought on, on that front. And um, and I love what you say about mixing the traditional values with new technology and even traditional brands like Louis Vuitton doing that and getting involved in esports. That's really fascinating. Do you think that's going to be a trend?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really don't think Louis Vuitton is a traditional brand. I think Louis Vuitton is, is probably one of the most modern brands out there. So I I think that's uh, that's already uh, in play. But it, it, there is definitely the need uh, for brands to, um, one, leverage technology, but not make it so visible. Uh, so I think consumers are not that interested to be bombarded by tech, um, whether it's inside of the store, whether it's in the way they are inter- interact. I think a lot of the technology that really works is technology you don't see. Um, and, and so this is where uh, I think brands um, are going to be very uh, successful at is, is in is in making technology work for them, but also making technology disappear uh, as much as they can uh, because that's um, you know the, the, they're one of the macro force we talk about different levels of of uh, trends macro forces, trends and signals signals are very local um, but macro forces are the un- underlying uh, drivers of, uh, of people's behavior, and they tend to be universal. And the role of technology is a huge cause of, uh, of stress for consumers and citizens in general. Uh, and so I think the role of technology is critical. The ability to make technology less uh, overt and less you know, important in a way, I think is also very, very, very critical. I mean, to me, uh, what I think is really challenging today is that service, is still not uh, fully invested yet uh, as a as a as a point of focus for quite a few uh, retailers and you can very clearly see that uh, they still think that the people uh, that represent their brand in their store are somewhat secondary uh, to the brand which uh, i think is an absolute fundamental mistake um because the, the smart retailers out there and and the smart brands that own retail um stores out there are spending a considerable amount of time looking for talented uh, people, people with personalities, people that uh, are not perfect, uh, they're, you know, they're not necessarily have all the diplomas or the credentials, but they have the heart and uh, the the mind to really deliver an awesome experience and and that's going to be so important for uh, the successful retailers because those will those will succeed no matter what uh, covid uh, the next one or whatever happens um so but, but in the meantime a lot will not succeed and, and quite a few brands and retailers will uh, will not uh, will not last
0: and and not last for the reasons that you know that are the right reasons that they won't last because they you know they're not they're not investing in the things that that make their brands you know they're not putting the human to the forefront and they're not connecting at, at a human level so yeah that's you know they are going to go by the wayside then so so be it but i i love the fact that um you know you're, you're optimistic that there will be um you know resurgence around service you know and investment back into service and also into curation and into community and into the humanization of of, uh, of of brands and retailing i think it's going to be very interesting watching that take place and and the acceleration of it as well as, as you say i mean you've been talking about this you know bef- well before covid but um it it's interesting that you, you know, you feel that that's the big thing about COVID that it's it's going to actually accelerate the change. So, Arno, thank you so much for for your insight and and for really giving us so much to think about and 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 also for giving us a lot to look forward to as well.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. And by the way, one 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 point that is worth thinking about is the fact that brands are entering the the, the arena. We're going to see a lot more direct to consumer. Uh, business models for brands. Um, you know, Pepsi has just launched um, a couple of uh, pro- uh, websites in the US. Other brands are starting to enter uh, the uh, the direct to consumer, the D two C model, and that's going to be also uh, giving retailers a run for their money. Uh, and so, you know, some brands are investing also in uh, being able to engage directly. This could be, uh, you know, a game changer uh, in some sectors in particular.
0: Wow. Yes, thank you, Arno. That was, that was wonderful. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, please do join me again next week when my guest will be Jane Eyer. And Jane is a key figure in the cultural and artistic community in Singapore. So it'll be very interesting hearing her views on what's happening you know, in, in culture and arts here and how that's going to change and, and develop as well and how it has changed and developed. So it's going to be a great conversation thank you thank you everybody and thank you again Arno goodbye you have been listening to our community with me and Morgan if you like what you've heard please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you listen and don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favourite episode thank you